This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Miranda, who's been known to dance with curtains. (laughs) And that is Mel. She has been fighting with her printer for the last 2.5 hours. It feels like longer. And... I still don't have a printed document. Listeners, this is a very special episode because this is our Mother's Day episode. We're getting ready for Mother's Day over here. Look at Melanie doing a sound effect. That's nice. I'm rubbing off on you. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Don't need two of us making sound effects, do you? I enjoy it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. But Melanie, I was thinking, I know we've got a really cool topic lined up for today with motherhood and Mother's Day and just all of the beautiful and crazy, horrible things that go into being a mom. Let's get real. And I was thinking we could do like a mom fails kind of segment here. And this is something I think, and listeners, you'll have to let us know how you feel about this. But Mel and I have talked about having almost like a mom fail mailbox where y'all can submit to us your mom fails and we will share them anonymously and it will just make us number one it'll make us laugh but number two it'll make us feel like we are not alone in this crazy thing um, called parenting I fully support that idea Um, so long as you're not sending us horrible dangerous scary stories that people shouldn't know about yeah, because we are also Keep counselors. It Keep it and light. And we would probably need to like report you. So yeah. don't be like that. Don't be like that. But um, I'll get us started here because I have some pretty hilarious mom fails. Um, the first one was not hilarious at all because I was really a new mom, first kid, and just very stressed out and lacking a lot of sleep and trying to kind of get into a routine. Really, there's no way to get into a routine when you have like a three-month-old. I believe my son was three months old when this happened. So, you know, you're you're still kind of feeding around the clock. You're still not sleeping like you need to be. And you get into this yo-yo of like your house is really dirty and you really want to do some chores, but then also you're really tired and you just want to sleep, but then also you can't really relax because your house is so dirty. And it's like this cycle that you get into. A vicious, horrible cycle. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And I can say for us, because I know the listeners probably don't know this, but when both Miranda and I had our children, we were both living in very small 
places. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so yep. there was no put the mess in the other room because there was no other room. There was no other room. <laughs> That's such a good point. And, you know, you feel so cluttered and cramped and, and the baby stuff just kind of like throws up in your space and you're like, oh my gosh, there's baby shit everywhere. Like I don't even have a space that's my own anymore Uh Uh and you won't for the next 20 years or so but anyway I I'd finally got Fisher to fall asleep and I was like well let me just lay him down on my bed and I'm just gonna run in here and do some dishes right because now's a little break so put him on the bed again he's three months old he hasn't been like really squirming or moving around very much or crawl like he's not been doing anything like that he hasn't even rolled over yet So I go and start washing the dishes, right? And I'm having my little dishwashing moment, trying to not fall asleep into the suds that are, you know, spilling out in my sink. And all of a sudden, I heard the most bone-chilling, spine-curdling, stomach-tightening sound I have ever heard in my entire life. And it was my son falling out of the bed onto the hardwood floor. And I lost it. I remember it was like I swallowed my heart. And I, Fisher, was screaming, racing over to that side of the house, which literally was not far at all because we were in a very (laughs) small space. It was five steps. (laughs) It was like, you know, maybe 10 steps around the corner. And sure enough, he is like on the floor wailing and I was devastated and I scooped him up and I am just panicked because I'm home by myself my husband of course is at work and I'm just like kicking myself you know how could I have done this how could I have just laid him on the bed so carelessly you know and I'm I'm just panicked about I've, I've, I've caused a traumatic brain injury you know he has a spinal cord injury I'm freaking out and so I, I immediately you know trying to get him calm but now I'm like also working myself up into a panic so I stepped outside just so I could kind of get some fresh air and like try to get myself calmed down because I knew I wasn't going to be able to do anything for him if I was like at a 10 right so I'm trying to get him soothed and um I called 911 (laughs) I called 911 no you didn't I don't think I I ever knew that you did Probably because I was too ashamed to tell you. <laughs> I mean, oh I gosh. know that it wasn't funny at the moment, but <laughs> not like, at all. Wow. <laughs> I did. What well, did they I, say? I, so I digress. So first I called the pediatrician. And of course, anytime you call the pediatrician, you get the automatic answer. If this is a medical emergency, please hang up and dial 911. And I'm looking at my screaming kid and I'm thinking how all of the thoughts going through my head. And I'm like, this is a medical emergency. <laughs> so here I go, you know, boop, boop, boop. And I'm talking to the 911 operator. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, my son fell out of the bed. He's only three months old. And he's he's crying and he's so upset. And she's asking me, like, you know, is he breathing OK? Yeah. Or his eyes, you know, open. Yeah. She's like doing this little, you know, check in with right. me. Um, and, <laughs> and and God bless this 911 operator because she goes, is this your first child? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. And I'm literally like, how do you know? (laughs) 
You know that's so, not the only call that she's ever gotten like that. Oh, no. Oh, no. And and she was so great because she said, you know, this happens. This is normal. She's like, if you're really worried, you know, we'll send an ambulance out there. You know, we can send an ambulance to you. And she's like, but honestly kids fall out of the bed it happens and I'm like I have hardwood floors <laughs> well they're kind of rubber at that at that they age they really you know? are man they really they're bouncy every, and stretchy solidified yet they're very stretchy <laughs> and Fisher was fine like literally he was fine did not have a scratch or a bruise or a dent on him well I mean I and... think he was pissed because he got woken up from his sleep but it's kind of an unpleasant way to wake up <laughs> But, um, yeah, you know, the 911 operator made me feel a lot better about it. I declined the ambulance because by the time I had kind of had a conversation with her for a little bit, Fisher had already started calming down. I had started calming down. And, you know, such is life and life goes on. And I did bring it up to our pediatrician, of course. Um, You know, I left a message on the nurse line about it and everything. And they kind of told me the same thing, you know, babies, babies fall, babies fall, they fall out of bed. It happens. It's okay. Anyway, I just remember I'll never forget that sound and I'll never forget that feeling. Have you had a feeling like that before? Oh, I have. And let me, I I should have had 911 called on me if I'm being honest. Um, Uh Uh-oh. So... I had this brilliant idea. I had a cousin who was getting married in Ohio. And my son was born in the summer, and my husband plays music for a living, so he is very, very busy in the summer. And of course, he was working while I was on maternity leave. So I had this brilliant idea that I was going to take my three-week-old to Ohio to go to my cousin's wedding. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just no big deal. I'm just gonna drive fifteen hours solo with a three week old to it another was state. Southern Ohio, so it was oh only gosh. like ten maybe, but we'll, we won't even get to that today. But so here's what I did. I had decided that as in preparation for this road trip, I was going to take Jonah in the car on like a longer ride than like to the grocery store, you know? Let's be honest, these car seat situations are complicated. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I don't even, I still (sighs) don't understand. There's so many straps and buckles and little cushions and pads and the little sliders to not hurt their face from the little belts and then the clicks. And then uh, we had this one that was like this all-in-one system where it's like Mm -hmm. the car seat has a base that hooks in the car, but then it also clicks into the stroller sort of situation. And I mean, I had read the manual. I had installed the base and I had done the things. And so I'm I'm so worried because this is like the first time I'm taking him anywhere and I'm not driving super far, but I'm going to a place to go shopping that's a decent drive from here just to see how mm-hmm. we do in the car, you know, in mm-hmm. preparation mm-hmm. for my 10-hour drive um, to Ohio. And so I was all worried. I was getting the stroller in the back, which is hard enough in a Prius. Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. those things are bulky. I, somebody mm-hmm. should do better. Like, it doesn't really need should. to be that big. 
They really should. And it's hard to like lift all that stuff They're after like you've just had a baby and, yeah, like, and bulky. Yeah. My it's awkward. private areas are still not healed. And yeah. I I am dripping milk. And, and that was the other thing. <laughs> like I intentionally planned this trip so that I would have to pump. So then I've got I'm getting the pump and it's like I'm literally oh, wow. loading the car up. Well, because yeah. then you got to have ice packs because he's not going to That's right. Eat. you got to keep it cold. Yep. Mm-hmm. They got it, the whole all thing. these things. So I have all the things in the car, and I finally get Jonah in the car. I, I click the thing in, mm-hmm. and, like, a good friend of mine was coming with me, God bless her, on this journey. And uh, we're like, okay, you know, like, he was kind of asleep, so no, no big deal. And we drive, I don't know how far it was, like 40 minutes or something like that. And then we go to get out and, and he's awake, but he, you know, I mean, when they're two weeks old, they don't really do much. They like, right. their head goes from one side to the other side and then they <laughs> right. cry when they're hungry, but he wasn't crying yet. And so we get there and she's like, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we need to get the stroller out and blah, blah, blah. And so she's helping me get in the stroller set up, blah, blah, blah. And I go to take him out, like the car seat out because it clicks into the stroller. Mm -hmm. The child was not buckled in at all. (gasps) Oh, he was just loosey goosey. Just sitting, swirling around in there. Sitting, oh man! Just sleeping in the sleeping in the car seat. <laughs> oh, I almost no. died. I literally almost died. I was uh, like, "Oh my god!" Oh no! And I was like too embarrassed to make too big of a deal about it because, like, right? My friend didn't have kids, so it's like I don't want to have like a panic attack and like melt down. Like we're already here. <laughs> oh, like no. I'm going through this. Right, right, like right. we're already here. He's we made okay. it. Okay, nobody's hurt. Yeah. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. But then you're thinking, what if this had happened? What if that had happened? Oh and you're going yeah. Through the all what the scenarios. If, what if was rough. Oh no. I oh. know. And so <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even lying. I want to say Jonah was like three before I admitted that to my husband because Ooh. I felt really, really bad. Like, oh, no. It kind of weighed on me for a while. Sure. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, because he, he knew enough. He wasn't necessarily, he didn't think that it was a good idea for me to go to Ohio yeah. solo with our child, but he was wise enough to know that he shouldn't, tell me not to yes because yes. miranda you know me you don't tell me yes. not to do you things don't ever tell melanie not to do something because she's just gonna do it even harder <laughs> than she had originally already planned and made up her mind that she's yeah. gonna do it well so. but anyway here we are on the other <laughs> side of that where you know we're oh eight goodness. years later oh, we did gosh. go to the wedding it was great i got to see family i you know it was a rough trip we'll maybe discuss mm-hmm. that at another time <laughs> yeah that's a whole episode that uh, trip story oh my but, gosh um i learned a lot and he was never not buckled again there you go there you go 
So, and but, I never put Fisher to sleep on a bed ever again. See? So, so we learn from these experiences. And it that's makes all us you better people. It makes us better moms, you know. That's uh, all to you quote can do. the very, very wise sage mother and philosopher Alanis Morissette, you live, you learn. So we have a super exciting topic today for our Mother's Day episode, and Melanie is going to talk to us all about stress. I know it it doesn't sound exciting, but I think that this is important information for us to have. Um, Mm -hmm. Stress is super common, and we all know that. I mean, I have never, I don't think I've ever met a mom who's not stressed. Have you? I don't think I've ever not been stressed. So there's that. (laughs) According to a recent study, actually, 25% of Americans say that they're dealing with high levels of stress. And another 50% say that they rate their stress as at least moderate. So Mm. that's 75% of Americans. I mean, I'd say I fall into that moderate category 75% of the time. Yeah, yeah. and in, mm-hmm. into the um, high levels, the other part of your time. <laughs> Probably um, so. Now, it's important to note, though, that in some cases, stress is good. Like if you're starting a new job or planning a big event, it can help you focus and motivate you to do well. Um, Or even do better. I mean, I kind of feel like that's how procrastination works, right? Oh, 100%. (laughs) We procrastinate so that we can be stressed, which then Uh motivates us. That urgency, right? Right. So that kind is, that's a good kind of stress. But if you experience stress over the long term, it can have a real physical and mental toll on your health, like all around. And I'm going to kind of break this down, the negative effects, and then we're going to overview how the stress response actually works. Because I had never looked at that. Stress on the body. All of the chemical changes that are caused by stress have short and long-term effects on almost every system in your body. So Hmm. that's kind of crazy. There aren't many things in the world that affect all the systems. Now, for each system, there are both short and long-term effects. As far as musculoskeletal system, your muscles in the short term tense up suddenly and then release Mm. when the stressor is gone. And we all know that. Like, you're like, Mm -hmm. ah! Like fight or flight kind of thing. In the long term, if your muscles stay tense, you can actually develop problems like tension headaches, migraines, and chronic Mm -hmm. pain. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's fine if that happens for a little bit, but if it stays Mm -hmm. that way, that can be a real issue. Yeah, like that knot under your left shoulder blade. My left shoulder knot, yes. I would say (laughs) that's exactly what that is. In the respiratory system, in the short term, you breathe harder and faster. Some people, including you, can even hyperventilate, which can lead Mm -hmm. to issues getting enough oxygen. Pretty sure that's what's happening when Fisher fell out of the bed. Correct. (laughs) 
<laughs> and of course, we all know that hyperventilating can lead to panic attacks in, in yeah. certain people. So that can be a you know a serious one. And then mm-hmm. obviously on the long term, if that's something you're stressed and it's affecting your breathing, especially if you have like asthma or emphysema, um, mm. it can really cause some major issues long term. Now, as far as your heart, I know that I, I don't think I've specifically mentioned it, but I have worked with cardiac patients for years Mm-hmm. And there is a huge link between stress and the cardiovascular system. Now, in the short term, when you're stressed, your heart beats harder and faster and your blood vessels dilate, which pushes more blood into your large muscles and raises mm-hmm. your blood pressure. So yeah, it's that fight or flight, right? Like yeah, you're your in whole danger. body is like your muscles are doing this and you're, you know. Now, on the long term... For the cardiovascular system, if you have a consistently elevated heart rate and blood pressure, the stress hormones can actually increase your odds of having a heart attack, stroke, or hypertension, which obviously those are all negative things. Um, It can also affect your cholesterol levels, which is interesting. Really? Uh, That's what they have found. And we all know that I have high cholesterol. We do now. (laughs) Because you just told us. Well, I guess I haven't mentioned that before. That's really interesting. We'll get back to that later. Okay, put a a pin in it. Put a pin in it because I intend to do a whole cholesterol episode. You guys Mm -hmm. are going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as far as the endocrine system, and the endocrine system has to do with a lot of hormones. Yes. In the short term, stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol can give your body energy to either run flight or, you know, fight, I guess, is the other option there. But your liver, when your endocrine system is under stress, your liver produces more blood sugar to give your body energy. So Hmm. then in the long term, there's issues with diabetes if you're under stress. Sure. And that's causing your body to produce your higher blood sugars. Then you can have issues with that for as far as diabetes go. Um, Hmm. And then overexposure to cortisol can lead to thyroid problems, and it can affect your ability to think clearly. Hmm. Also causes excess abdominal fat, which I thought was interesting. That's what I've heard. Like cortisol, I think the goal of that is to make your body retain fat because if you're in fight or flight, your body wants to store that fat and not use up those calories. Yeah. So cortisol. Wild? Yeah, it like locks down that fat where basically you can't burn it off. And so wherever you're prone to holding fat in your body, whether it's like your your stomach, which is super common for a lot of people, or if you're like me, it's your ass, that cortisol <laughs> is like locking it in and it's not going to let your body burn it off. Wild. Crazy. Wild. Now, in women, because I always have to point out what great benefits we have of being women... If you're under chronic stress, it can worsen PMS, it can cause changes in your menstrual cycle, or cause Mm. you to have missed periods, 
And mm-hmm. it can also aggravate um, symptoms of menopause. Wow. So, so there's a lot to it. Um, the last system I was going to mention was the gastrointestinal system, which is an important system. Now, in the short term, you're going to feel like butterflies in your stomach or nausea. You know, if you're super stressed, you might even feel like you're going to vomit, diarrhea, all of those heartburn, all of those kind of things in the short term. But in the long term, that can actually lead to chronic pain, issues with eating habits, and you can develop like acid reflux that doesn't go away. Oh, wow. I wanted to bring all of those up because I I mean, and I know that a lot of us are aware of all of those things, but my bigger question today was what does stress do to cause all of those things? Like, those are the effects, but like, how do we get there? You know? So Um, before we get into that, can we like review like all of those systems? Because that was like five systems, I think. It was five systems. It might have been six. Hold on musculoskeletal so that's your muscles respiratory system cardiovascular endocrine and gastrointestinal i feel like that pretty much covers that's most of the systems it didn't touch on the lymphatic system but otherwise (laughs) i think we we got most of them wow so as far as the stress response I'm going to read most of this, and of course, as always, these citations will be in the show notes. This part in particular came from a Harvard article, which they have amazing medical information on their website. But anyway, here's what's important to understand. A stressful situation, whether it's something environmental like a looming work deadline or physiological like persistent worry about losing a job, it can cause, it can trigger what they consider a cascade of stress hormones that produce physiological changes. Uh, A stressful incident can make the heart pound and breathing quicken, which we mentioned, muscles tense and beads of sweat appear. So all of those things are happening. Mm. This combination of reactions, and Miranda, you've mentioned it, is referred to as the fight or flight response. Now that response originated as a survival mechanism, which enabled mammals, of course, including humans, to react quickly to life-threatening situations The carefully orchestrated, yet near instantaneous, which I think is wild. It it I read in one article that it happens before you you have visually even processed that it's happening. What? Yes. So Oh my gosh. It's instantaneous sequence of hormonal changes and the physiological response, which helps give someone the fight or flight the fight. It's so hard for me for some reason. (laughs) Which helps give someone the ability to fight or flee for safety. 
So, oh my gosh, that's what it originated for. That's what its purpose is. Sure, is sure, it's keep like us that safe. It's a survival mechanism. Yeah. Well, and it's like I just want to take it back to when I heard the sound of Fisher falling out of the bed. I knew that that's what had happened, and I literally dropped everything and ran like as fast as I could. I didn't even have time to think about it. It was just like instantaneous. And I think as moms, we do that all the time all if our kid time. is like about to fall off the playground. Which why do they? have those big openings like so high up (laughs) that's where I've had like 99% of my fight or flight responses is when the kids are in that big opening high up and you're just like oh my gosh they're about to fall oh my gosh they're about to fall (laughs) now are you talking like in a jungle gym or are you talking where they just have like the platforms that are up high and there's like just an end and no railing because yeah no railing it's just like here's the slide and like we climb all the way up to get to the slide and just before the slide is like this gaping hole yeah maybe there's a hole there why why i don't understand it's it freaks me out i if anyone is a playground designer out there please correct this okay yeah because nothing causes me more stress all around railings (laughs) i don't care how much mulch there is there with my child that mulch is going to end up embedded in his leg yes yes okay (laughs) so we we've established what the fight or flight response is but the unfortunate part of that existing like it exists to keep us alive right it's a it's a survival mechanism it's a good thing it's, it's a, a very good thing, good thing but yeah. unfortunately the body can overreact to stressors mm-hmm. that are not life-threatening mm-hmm. and the examples that i saw in articles included things like traffic jams work pressure mm-hmm. uh relationship issues family difficulties so Your body is reacting as if it was like going into survival mode, but it's for those kind of day-to-day things. So over the years, researchers have learned not only how and why these reactions occur, but they have also gained insight into the long-term effects of chronic stress that it has on both our physical and mental health. Over time, repeated activation of the stress response takes a toll on the body, leading to all of the side effects that I mentioned earlier. So how exactly does this mechanism work? That's what I really wanted to get to because I have never even thought about this before. So what happens within our brains when we hear something scary, like fish are falling, or we see something scary It's interpreted by the amygdala, which is part of our brain. The amygdala decides that it's danger, and it sends a stress signal to the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is essentially our brain's command center, and it communicates with the rest of the body through the nervous system so that the whole fight-or-flight response can be activated. So that's lots of parts. I don't have a drawing. This is a podcast. It's the amygdala communicates to the hypothalamus. After the amygdala sends the distress signal, the hypothalamus activates the sympathetic nervous system by sending signals through the autonomic nerves. What? To the adrenal glands. Mm. And the adrenal glands respond by pumping the hormone epinephrine, which is also known as adrenaline, into Mm -hmm. the bloodstream. 
Mm-hmm. So that's where we all know the word adrenaline. Mm-hmm. I, and I mean, if you watch any medical dramas like me, you know the word epinephrine too, because they use that for a lot of things like get mm-hmm. the epi. But anyway, so as all of that circulates through the body, it causes a lot of physiological changes. Um, and that's where your your pulse rate goes up, your airways open wide so you can get more oxygen, your, your sight becomes sharper. It, it causes all of these things. The nutrients flood your bloodstream, like you have this release of, you know, energy for your body to use. All of the changes happen so quickly that people aren't aware of them. This is interesting. In fact, The wiring is so efficient that the amygdala and hypothalamus start this cascade even before the brain's visual centers have a chance to fully process what's happening. That's amazing to me. That's incredible. Blows my mind. And that's what makes it possible for people to jump out of the way of, of, of like, of, if a vehicle's driving their direction before mm-hmm. they even have fully processed what's right. happening. Right, right. Now, here's where we get into problems. The initial surge of epinephrine, that's the fight or flight, the like, let's go, get out of the way. The hypothalamus activates a second component to the stress response system. And this is really complicated, and it involves the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenal gland. And this is where we get stuck, that we end up stuck in stress. So Mm. the brain continues to perceive something as dangerous. So this hypothalamus pituitary adrenal gland are working together and they are releasing cortisol, which causes Mm. the body to stay revved up and on high alert. Like, Mm. you know, like you were for the 48 hours after Fisher Mm -hmm. fell off the bed or like I was for the next three years after I drove (laughs) with my child unbuckled. And so that's where the challenge is. And our bodies kind of we've we've evolved so far, but Mm -hmm. we still don't have a good off mechanism for that secondary situation that we end up in. Yeah. It really all comes down to the parasympathetic nervous system, but it's kind of like it kind of does its own thing. So it it doesn't really like the the mechanism to make us have the stress response is very like it's it's trigger happy and it's ready to go, but the yeah. off switch is kind of like whatever, man. It's really hard to find that off switch. Right. <laughs> Believe me, I have looked for years oh, and it is same. really hard to find that off switch. I have looked yeah. in all kinds of supplements and bottles and meditation yeah. and yoga and all of that. Uh-huh. Uh, the off switch is much harder to find than the on switch. That's such a good way to put it is it's like we can't even control when it turns on. But the thing that we could control, turning it off, is like the most complicated thing. Oh, my goodness. It's like out there in the campgrounds, like, yeah, I'm busy. Just chilling. Yeah, just like smoking a J at the camp. Yeah, just, hey, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you guys, but I'm chill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her brain, yeah, I'm still telling her to be stressed. But like, I mean, I'll get to it. (laughs) 
It's like the sloth on on that. What's the one movie? Oh my god, Zootopia. Zootopia. It's like the Zootopia sloth. It's like the yeah. DMV sloth. Like. So I mean, what a situation! Uh, oh my god! I hope that wasn't too boring. That's really all I had to say about that. But honestly, I learned a lot from researching because. I've always wondered, and now it makes so much more sense, but if I'm being honest, I'm like a little stressed about the fact that the off switch (laughs) isn't easier. Well, I'll talk about the off switch in my segment a little bit. Okay, good. But but before I get there, you know, I just want to reiterate being a mom is stressful, okay? And I think that's one of the most important things to recognize on Mother's Day. You know, yes, we celebrate motherhood. We celebrate being a mom. We definitely celebrate our children each and every day that we have them, and it's awesome. And yet, we're also scrambling over here trying to hold our lives together, and it's really hard to do. And if we're not taking care of ourselves and this stress gets the better of us, which is so likely to happen, we're going to be in trouble. So on Mother's Day, we wanted to bring this topic up to everybody's attention so that we can, number one, be aware and kind of raise that awareness and share that that empathy and support for one another. But when we get into my segment in just a second, we're going to talk about what y'all need to do on Mother's Day to help manage your stress better. Yes. Okay, Miranda, so you kind of made me feel like you were going to help us figure out how to be less stressed. Is that your plan? That's my plan. I don't know how good of a job I'm going to do because I was kind of stressed out putting all of this together. Oh, well, no, (laughs) that doesn't make sense. Oh, man. But no, no, I definitely want to give us some some takeaways here and some stress management techniques. You did such an awesome job kind of laying out for us so we can understand what a serious problem this can be for us and how it affects every part of our body, how so much of it is outside of our control. So again, what what I want to focus on is kind of what can we control? What can we do to deal with the stress that we are inevitably going to face as moms? Yes. <laughs> All day long. I don't I I speak for everyone when I say we will take any tips that you have to offer. Well, I have got them. So whip out your notepads and your pens, ladies, because we're going to we're going to dive into this here. So I wanted to give us a framework we could kind of remember. So stress is an S word. And a lot of times when we feel stressed, it makes us want to say another S word. But instead of saying that S word, I'm going to give us five S words that we can replace with stress. Okay, and we're going to count them on our fingers because that's really fun to do. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So let's start with your thumb, Melanie. Hold up your thumb for me. Thumbs up. And you are giving yourself a big old thumbs up for the first S word, which is self-care. Self-care. Ooh, yes. And not just self-care, but self-care routine. Um, Because this is one of those things that like, if we're just kind of randomly, arbitrarily taking care of ourselves here and there when it's convenient, that's not really being proactive and really establishing a solid way for us to make sure that we're 
taking care of ourselves in a responsible way. So the key word there is routine. You have to build this into your schedule. That's what's going to make it successful for you. Really, self-care is any kind of me time that charges your battery back up. And that could be for your body, that could be for your mind, that could be for you emotionally, spiritually, all of these different things. It's even better if your self-care touches on each of those facets of yourself. It's really, really important to do this. One thing that I'll say too is it's actually really important to work with your parenting partner and make sure that they also have time for their self-care as well. Because if both you and your parenting partner, if y'all's tanks are full, you're going to be a better parent for your child. So for me, my self-care routine involves going to the gym. I love going to the gym and just having that me time to hop on the elliptical or hit some weights. Um, Sometimes I like to watch my Netflix shows while I'm on the elliptical. It's kind of just a way for me to zone out mentally. You know this, Melanie, about me. What do I also love to do for my self-care? Baths. 100%. (laughs) I am such a bath. I'm like a bath whore. I love a bath. And Melanie is the most amazing person ever because she got me this bath tray. And it is like the most bougie thing y'all have ever seen in your life because it has all these like fold out slide out compartments. It has a place for your snacks. It has a place for your wine glass for your beer glass. It even has like this prop up for your iPad so you can like watch your show in the tub. And it has been a total game changer for my bath routine. So thank you, Melanie. (laughs) Hey, no problem. Honestly, I bought it purely out of jealousy of your bath situation. I don't have a bathtub like that. And I'm I am I am definitely jealous. I love my bath. It's literally one of the primary reasons that we bought this particular house because I have a huge garden tub next to a window um, that I've put like it's kind of it's kind of cheesy, but I love it anyway. It's like a steel or peel and stick stained glass motif on my window next to my bathtub. It's really pretty. And I put my little candles underneath it and it's illuminated. And then I got all my plants there. So yeah, it's a whole mood for me to take it off. It's glorious. I love it so much. (laughs) And then Melanie, I know you and I both love to do yoga too, as part of a self-care routine, uh, taking care of our bodies and connecting with that mind, body, spirit, situation through a yoga practice is really awesome. And I know for us too, this podcast is kind of a self-care routine that we can check in and spend some time together and talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives and check in. It's always good. That's the truth. And the one other one that I have, um, I love to go run. I'm not Mm -hmm. so much a gym person, but I like to be outside and run and usually listen to a podcast (laughs) while I'm running. (laughs) Yeah, and I I think it's important to state that self-care is probably the most important, but also the easiest to get bumped out of our Mm -hmm. schedules. We Mm -hmm. have so much going on and just the way we're wired as moms It's Mm going to be the first thing that we skip, and we need to do something about that. (laughs) Yep. 
And I think that's where having a strong alliance with, um, you know, whether it's your spouse or another, you know, parenting partner to make sure that you're both doing that for each other and giving each other that space and kind of, you know, holding the other person accountable to do that for themselves. Um, Yeah. Or or for single moms out there, if you have a, a, a close friend or a parent, your parent, whoever, It doesn't, you know, just because you don't have a significant other that lives with you, you still have to make yourself a priority. Yes. And I'm so glad that you brought that up um, because we definitely want to recognize and give a shout out to our single moms on Mother's Day. Y'all are amazing for sure. And that leads us to point number two. Hold up your pointer finger. Support. Support. Who do you have for support? Who can you lean on? Who can you call? Who's going to be there for you? And a really cool practice that I encourage you all to do is write down the names of those people. I think if you just start generating a list of these are the people in my life who I can call, I can lean on, I they care about me. It's really comforting to know that you've got that safety net, whether, again, like you said, Melanie, like maybe you are a single parent. That's a lot. That's a lot. So recognize that support and don't be afraid to ask for help because guess what? Those people love you. They love you and they want what's best for you. And believe me, they would love to show you that they love you and and kind of put that into practice. So a a story about that, uh, my parents are awesome and it's hard because they live in another state. And so I don't get, you know, that accessible childcare like I would really love to have. So don't take it for granted if you have accessible childcare people. Last summer was really, really hard because I had COVID for a long time. I had gone on a trip with Fisher and my my husband had stayed back at the house, came back, got COVID. My mom had to have heart surgery. I was sleeping in the hospital next to her for like 10 days and going back and forth with my dad. And It was a really, really stressful time. And at the end of the summer, I realized I was completely depleted and I had not spent any time with my husband. And so I reached out to my dad and said, you know, do you think that you could take Fisher for the weekend if my sisters are there and kind of able to help out? Because I need a break. I need a break. I've been tired. I've been run down. I've been bedraggled. And I knew that the whole time that I was, you know, back helping my mom, my husband had been taking care of Fisher. And so he had been, you know, just as equally exhausted from that. So fortunately, um, my dad was able to take him for the weekend. My mom, you know, she was still kind of regaining her health, but it kind of cheered her up, I think, to have him around. And then my sisters jumped in and helped out with him too. And Brad and I just had the most amazing, relaxing, glorious weekend (laughs) where we didn't have to worry about Fisher and we could just spend some time reconnecting with each other because we had both been so consumed in other things and taking care of other people and taking care of Fisher that we hadn't connected with ourselves. So don't be afraid to ask for help. And just another quick story about that. My girlfriend here in where, where I live, she just had her baby a while ago. And while she was pregnant, she actually called me up and she said, hey, I am like on a nesting spree. Is there any way you could come over and just help me tidy up my house? 
and she was like really embarrassed because her house was really messy and oh dirty. My gosh, and she, but that's the phone call you've been waiting for because oh yeah, you love <laughs> to organize. That's my love language. Like, give me a call. I will come to your house and clean it because it's zen for me and it's a gift for the people that I love. So I love to do that. And I came over and again, she was like really vulnerable and like kind of embarrassed because again, there was dog hair everywhere. She hadn't been feeling good. She had a super nauseated early pregnancy Mm. and was just not able to keep things up like she wanted to. And I'm telling you, I cleaned out her entire kitchen. Like I went through the cupboards. I went through the pantry. I threw out all the expired stuff. I was on my hands and knees scrubbing the toilet and the bathtub. And I was happy to do it because I love her and I cared for her. And so it was just a great way that she could reach out and ask for that support. So know that those people are in your life and that they want to show you how much they care about you. So support is our second S. You can hold up your middle finger here, but, you know, don't flip me off, okay? She's definitely flipping me off, everybody. I I hafted it. There's a story there. We'll get to it one day. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Thank you for that. Um, (laughs) Your third finger here is for solve. Solve is the third S. Solve. So solve. Solve. Okay. So believe it or not. Once you're in a good headspace and you're recharged, you can kind of take a look at the stressors in your life and figure out what problems are there that you can actually solve. And go ahead and kind of work through them, right? Because there's a lot of stress in our life that doesn't necessarily have to be there. I think we just kind of accumulate it over time. And then it's kind of like we go back and we say, oh, if I just do X, I won't have to deal with this stress later. Does that make sense? Well, and I also think that there's this human, there's this human nature thing where you just repeatedly do things because it's part of your routine. Yep. And until you step back, like you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. and look at that and analyze, like, do I really have to do all of this? Right, right. You're, you're just going to keep doing it. We're, exactly. We like routines. And mm-hmm. so analyzing that is a great idea. <laughs> yes, 100%. And, and you can really only do that when you are in that clear headspace and you've addressed kind of the immediate stress that's going on. But then you can kind of look and say, okay, there's a lot of things that are happening outside of my control, but what's in my locus of control and what can I kind of tackle to make my life easier for me in the future. So one of the things I've mentioned on a previous episode was giving Fisher some decompression time after school to just go upstairs and hop on the iPad for 30 minutes. It makes our evening routine so much nicer when he has some space to kind of unwind from his day. Another one that's been really helpful for me, and I know that you know this about me, is automatic bill pay because I'm not exaggerating. I was that person. I was the millennial who was driving around with my checkbook like to the light utility company and to the water place and like paying my bills. And it became like such a cumbersome thing to do that when I figured out I could just pay all of my bills online and just schedule them to to do that for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I have just freed up so much mental real estate that I don't have to worry about this anymore. And listeners, (laughs) I feel like it's important that I point out that I do not think that there are are any other millennials 
that are driving around <laughs> with checkbooks. Like, no, it's it's just me. <laughs> it's such a retro thing. And I remember one day when Miranda and I still worked in the same office, her being like, well, I have to go pay the light bill. And I'm like, what <laughs> is it, 1950? Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> And I would. I would go stand in line with all the little old ladies. And right. Like, I mean, you had to have been like 50 years younger than anyone in that line. Isn't that amazing? Automatic bill pay is where it's at, okay? That eliminated so much stress in my but life when I finally figured it out. has already been doing that. Okay, okay. Well, let me try to give y'all another one then if everyone's doing that. How about meal planning uh, and taking some time to put your grocery list together? That way you're not like coming home after work and you're exhausted and you're like, oh God, what am I going to make for supper? right? You already kind of have a plan because you took a little piece of time on the weekends to do it. You pre-solved a problem and it saved you some aggravation later on. No, I admit it's a great idea. I just don't live in a household where all of us are here for dinner. Right. So meal planning for me is like two lean cuisines and a box of Uncrustables. And meal planning for you is like way more delicious. (laughs) But to each their own. Do it however you need to do it for you. That's right. That's right. It's just what are the problems that are there? You know, I think about the story that you told about your cabinet door, right? (laughs) It's like that was one tiny thing, but it was adding so much stress. And it's like, no, let's just solve that problem and then just get rid of it, right? We don't have to live like that. I rage screwed it right back in there. don't have to live like that, Melanie. I love it. (laughs) So that's number three, solve. Okay, number four, and this one's my favorite. Hold up that ring finger for me. I can't. You know this about my hands. They don't work right. <laughs> do do. That's why I'm Saver. terrible at ASL. Saver. Saver. S A V O R. O R. Okay. You got it. You got it. So savoring is all about building in mindfulness into just your daily life and taking times to savor moments that you experience that are just beautiful, glorious moments, little moments. Even this morning when I woke up, you know, it's Saturday and we've got like this big window that looks out where the sun rises. And my husband was so kind that he brought me a cup of coffee this morning in bed. And I can literally just sit in bed and sip my coffee and watch the sunrise through this giant window. And I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a good day. You know, how can we find those moments that we can connect to and just be present instead of always turning our focus and our attention to the next thing? Um, How can we slow down and do kind of sensory check-ins, whether it's something that we're feeling, that we're smelling, that we're, you know, seeing that's just beautiful, or maybe it's a something that we're eating. It could be anything. But when we're having these really pleasurable experiences throughout our daily life, I would encourage you to just savor those moments. And what you're going to find is that you kind of, when you do that, You're kind of practicing gratitude, which is rewiring your brain to get off of those like doom and gloom stress highways in in your brain and on to like really positive and happy and peaceful pathways in your brain. I love it. I love a a cup of coffee. Miranda, you know my house. I have a room Mm -hmm. that I call the lounge. I love your lounge. It has 
all sorts of things that I love. I just, I mm-hmm. just took it over. I didn't even ask for permission. I just took it over. <laughs> I pay, I well, actually, my husband painted the walls plum, which and is he did glorious. a great job. Mm-hmm. And I have it filled with all sorts of Turkish lamps and like things that I really like. Mm-hmm. And on weekends, I sit in the middle of my big love seat couch that I have in there. Yeah, and I'm drink a cup of coffee that I put whipped cream on. I don't do yes. that any other day of the week. <laughs> like it's a weekend only thing. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. good. Yes. Yes. You just sit and there and savor it. You do. That's that's great. Oh, I support it. It's so it. beautiful. Yeah. And we have these moments every single day and oftentimes we just kind of overlook them but when we can be more purposeful and invite that mindful moment into that savoring experience it's going to decrease our stress for sure um today i went upstairs and i was playing legos with fisher and we were just putting legos together and i just reminded myself you know i'm not going to be able to do this with him in five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, we're not going to be able to sit on the floor and play these Legos. So I want to just soak this moment up and notice everything. I want to notice the sounds of the Legos clattering around. I want to notice how his voice sounds when he's telling me about the vehicle he built. I want to notice how the carpet feels under my feet. Check in with all of your senses. And the more you do that, you're really building a strong just warm, loving memory. That's what savoring is all about. And it's one of the very best things that you can do to beat stress. And also, even when you are stressed, you can revisit those memories and revisit those moments. And it will decrease your stress, lower your cortisol, lower your blood pressure and heart rate and all those scary things that Melanie was talking about earlier. (laughs) Yes. Very last one, very last S word here. We're on the pinky. The pinky is set boundaries. Ooh, good. Set boundaries. This is so important. And again, I feel like we as women, you know, we we are just willing to sacrifice. We want to accommodate. We're kind of brought up that way in a lot of cases. And one of the very best things that we can do to manage our stress is to not let ourselves get stressed out in the first place. And that is going to come from knowing our triggers and knowing where those boundaries are and then advocating for ourselves to make sure that other people don't take advantage of us in that sense. So we've got to be able to say no sometimes. And that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do for some people and it's not so hard to do for others. I don't have a problem saying no in many situations that other people do, but Mm -hmm. I get it. You know, I, I understand the struggle. It's just, it's so important for ourselves, you know, to set those boundaries and make Mm -hmm. sure that we stick to them. Yep. There's nothing wrong with being a helpful person that wants to help others, but you can only do that if all of your issues are handled. And I know that you just said that to all of our listeners, but I also know that you kind of also just said it to me. Definitely (laughs) did. (laughs) Because that's the conversation Melanie has with me all the time. Because you are a yes man and I am a Mm -hmm. no man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Miranda knows this about me. If you spring Mm -hmm. something on me, like, oh, hey, I had this idea. Let's do this. My initial answer is going to be no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. 
what she started doing is like, hey, I'm just going to throw this idea out to you. What if we started a podcast? Don't tell me anything. Just think about it for a little bit. (laughs) So I'm not the one that needs this advice, but I'm sure many of you and Miranda do. It's true. It's true. And I am definitely preaching to my own choir here over <laughs> over here. So my old lady choir. Yeah, I was so, just going to say your own old lady choir. <laughs> it works. It works. And this one is, is really where we can get in control of our environment. And again, when we get in control like that, it gives us a sense of power. It gives us a sense of ownership. And that alone beats stress because now we're not a victim. We're actually kind of a powerful agent, you know, who can make an impact. So you can avoid people and you can avoid situations that drain you and you have the freedom and the power to take control of your life and you can establish that environment. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's going to help you to feel safe and secure. And when you feel safe and secure, that's when you can thrive. So I want to give just a couple of tips here because I know there's probably a lot of women out there like myself who struggle with setting boundaries and saying no and how does that look? So the very first thing that I found to be really helpful is to use I statements and to share your observation. Make it about you and your feelings and not the other person. That's really because, again, the main problem with this is, well, I don't like confrontation and I don't want to be confrontational. Okay, you're not being confrontational if you're just talking about you and your feelings. That's not confrontational at all, especially if that other person cares about you. They need to know those things and they deserve to know those things. So use those I statements. You know, I feel blah when this happens. Or I feel fill in the blank when when this happened to me last time. Just state those feelings, state your observations. And then to kind of take it a step deeper, you can get a little vulnerable here and you can talk about your values and you can talk about your beliefs. And I really only encourage you doing that if it's a relationship that you feel comfortable and that it's kind of a closer, honest, open relationship. But vulnerability builds trust and and strengthens relationships. So it's a really healthy practice for you to do. And the third thing with that is you want to arrive at a solution or um, kind of a compromise for the future. And you have to be patient with that because it does take some time for people to make changes but it's it's a really good thing when you can do it. So kind of those three steps. Use your I statements. Talk about what you're observing and what you're feeling. Talk about your beliefs and your values and then arrive at a solution and, and kind of say, hey, this is what I'd like to do in the future and this is what I need from you moving forward kind of thing. And of course, when it comes to setting boundaries with our kids, <laughs> that's going to be a whole different episode. Yeah, but just that's know a, that's a whole other topic. That's a whole different episode. But just know that discipline and consistency are key. That's absolutely critical when it comes to setting boundaries. And when you model that behavior for your children, you're actually teaching them how they can advocate for themselves later on. So if you are modeling, oh, I just let other people walk all over me, that's what your kids are going to learn. But if you teach them, hey, this is how you set boundaries and advocate for yourself, you're modeling those same safety seeking and environmental control skills for your child, which is gorgeous. And we love it. So those are the five S's. The five S's. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. Self-care, solve, support, savor, 
and set boundaries. Yay! Woohoo! Okay, Miranda, so you have the spotlight for us this week, right? I do, and I usually don't do the spotlights, but I wanted to do today's spotlight for Mother's Day because our spotlight is our mamas, our mayhem mamas that are out there. Yay! Yay! We love you guys, and y'all are crushing it, and you're amazing, and we are so proud of you and the the examples that you're setting for your kids, and just the fact that you're holding it all together, ladies. You deserve, like, the biggest round of applause of all time, and we love you. <laughs> So the other part of this is I can't just only give you a spotlight because I also have to give you a homework assignment. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I have to give you a homework assignment, Mayhem Mamas, because what I'm going to need you to do is pick one of the five S's that we talked about, and I want you to do it this week. It is going to be your Mother's Day gift to yourself to either put a self-care routine together to solve a problem that has been just kind of weighing on you or annoying you lately, or reach out for some support if you need it, or maybe you need to set a boundary that you've been putting off for a little bit, or maybe it's simply just savoring something on Mother's Day or or throughout this week. We love you guys. We want you to take care of yourselves. We're doing all we can, believe you me, to take care of ourselves. And we're here for you. We've got you. And we're all in this together. So thank you for being awesome. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at mothermayhempodcast at gmail.com.